0: Welcome into a very special edition of the Big Red Louie podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane. I'm joined by my good friends and co-hosts, Presley Meyer and Alex Stangle. We've got a great, a great uh, show in store, and we also got to say congratulations to you, Presley, on getting married. We're very excited for you and Taylor. Uh, but let's let's jump into this show. We are excited to welcome in our, our next guest and easily the most well-known guest we've had on the show this far. He's got a 44-21 coaching record at Louisville, holds wins over multiple ranked opponents, Michigan State, Michigan, Duke, Virginia come to mind. Uh, two seasons in, two 20 win seasons. He also is the all time winningest coach in Xavier basketball history. And Alex and Presley, the only man who I think likes Roosters more than I do. We welcome in our next guest, Louisville Men's Head Basketball Coach Chris Mack. Coach, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, Jacob. How are you doing?
0: You know, I am doing okay considering the circumstances. It's been an interesting few months, um, both sports related and non-sports related. But we're just we're just grateful to have you on the show and to get to spend some time, getting to know you and, and talking to you about your team. Uh, the first thing I want to start with is uh, I've got to ask you this, and Presley, you can you can lob this up there. But we've been talking about our favorite restaurant is Roosters. Like, there's nobody in Louisville that loves Roosters more than us. Like, it's the unofficial spot for the Big Red Louis team. We know that you're a big Roosters fan.
2: Yeah, I mean, we just want to know – we wanted to give you the opportunity to set the record straight and see what the go-to wing sauce was at Rooster's. Uh,
1: I do like Rooster's wings. Um, you know, I, I got to eat them in moderation because I, I don't think that they're uh, the fat-free kind, if I last checked. Uh, I like donkey sauce. You know, I'm, I'm like one blo- nuclear. Uh, mm-hmm. I've done nuclear before, but uh, at some point it becomes, you know, less – Taste and just trying to, you know, quench right. your, your, your mouth from catching fire.
2: I don't know if you know, but you can actually combine the sauces. So ah, maybe, I didn't know. That. If we're, you're gonna have, milk, we're,
0: we're teaching milk, things little, to Chris little, Mack. Little donkey garlic action. Never wow, ever.
1: I didn't know you could combine sauces. That's something that um, man.
0: Yeah. When you get to Roosters coach, time. you got to ask them for the donkey garlic. They'll hook you up. That's the, that's the go-to move. The sauce is un, unbeated, uh, unbeatable. I mean, it, it is the go-to sauce, uh, but let's, you know, let's I'm 50
1: try... though, man. Like sometimes if I, if I start to go a little bit wild with all mm-hmm. the sauces and stuff, get that heartburn later on at night that you guys don't have to experience. So um, I, I may have to like go one
0: wing at a time here for a little bit. Absolutely. Before before we jump into basketball, I just I, I want to ask you how has the summer been for you? The spring with the with the quarantine, uh, not only as a coach and leader of, of young men, but as a dad and a uh, and a husband. How has this been for you and your family?
1: It's it, it's been um, it's been awkward. Um, I'd be lying if I said it was uh, normal. Um, you know, to to work from home, literally for two and a half straight months. And when I say work, I mean the only thing that you could do is really keep in touch with your players and, you know, Zoom call or FaceTime or or text recruits. I mean, there was no, you know, to evaluate at AAU tournaments. There was no individual workouts with your players. There was no monitoring them, um, you know, on a daily basis, see how they're doing, um, because they're doing the same thing every single day. You know, they're just sitting in their house, uh, maybe completing their online class or trying to get some type of workout uh, outside or inside. Um, it's just been it's been strange, to be honest. And and when you don't really have or haven't really had uh, light at the end of the tunnel, hey, this is when things are going to end. This is when things are going to return to normal. Now calendars are sort of being stuffed together you know, recommendations on what our recruiting calendar is going to look like, what our playing season is going to look like, when we're allowed to work with our players. I mean, everything is just so up in the air. Um, And so with the ambiguity, I don't know, it's just you've, when you wake up in the morning, you're sort of like, okay, what is
0: going to develop today? And um, it's been strange. Yeah, I'm sure to say the least, uh, it's been strange. And before we jump into talking specifically about Louisville, I have a question that I'd be re- remiss if I didn't ask you this. That they are going to laugh at me. They make fun of me for this all the time. But I love to talk about back in high school, right? I'm, I'm not the guy who – I would like to think I'm not the guy who peaked in high school. But uh, when, I went, when I was in high school, uh, I went to high school with a, a guy who played for you, Remy Abel, played for you for two years at Xavier. Uh, and that's really when I start, started watching Xavier for the first time. It really got familiar with you and your, playing style, or your coaching style and your playing – but tell me a little bit about how Remy ended up at Xavier. He was a transfer from IU uh, and then played for you and, and played a big role for some tournament teams for you. Uh, but t- Tell me a little bit about, about him and, and what you remember.
1: Well, we knew about Remy coming out of high school at Eastern. I mean, we, we followed his high school career, uh, watched him play in AAU. Um, his recruitment obviously uh, became more national, and, and uh, he ended up going to IU and I thought had a really, really good – First couple of years for Indiana, you know. I think he was that guy that came off the bench, was an, uh, a role player, had you know brought great energy, terrific defensive player. Uh, I think he wanted a little bit more, um, maybe opportunity, uh, if you will. And so when he put his name, uh, you know, out there as a transfer, there wasn't a transfer portal back then. Uh, we jumped all over it, you know. Unfortunately, I think he wanted to stay closer to home. Jacob, ninety minutes away, Cincinnati, and. So we came on a visit, thought we had a great visit, and uh, we were really excited to to have Remy uh, join our program. He had to sit out a year, and I think that really helps kids. I know that there's been a lot um, written and talked about with the transfer rule, being eligible right away, Uh, coming from a guy that was a former transfer myself. um, There's just such a benefit to that year. You get to know your teammates. You certainly get to uh, get in better shape, learn the system that you're about to play in feel very, very comfortable with the campus environment and just the new school, the new transition that you're making. And I thought Remy thrived. He had a great sit-out year. He became a lot stronger. I think he got Grant gained more confidence in his shooting. And he was a big part of two really successful teams when he played. Um, He was a terrific defensive player. Uh, There there was not a game that that we played that we didn't have him on the other team's best perimeter player. and he did, a, he, did a, he did a great job. So, um, you know, came up big in some big moments, NCAA tournaments. When we, you know, went to a Sweet 16, uh, he was a big part of that. We lost Arizona um, out in Los Angeles, I think his senior year, his junior year. And then his senior year was that tough finish against Wisconsin. When we were a two seed. Mm-hmm. Ironically, he was the guy that was challenging the shots, but um, he did everything he could. But really enjoyed coaching Remy. He's actually worked – uh, a couple of our camps here at Louisville, and his summers uh, not playing professionally. So, uh, comes from a great family and have nothing things to say about Remy Abel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those things. You know, it's not very often you have a connection with the head coach of of the the program you grew up watching that goes back to another school where a former friend and and uh, acquaintance yeah. played for you. So, I just it was one of those things I had to ask about. They got a good laugh out of it. But let's talk about the off season. It's been an interesting off season for a number of reasons for you guys. Uh, but the last couple of weeks, the players have been trickling their way back to campus after being at home and dealing with the, the quarantine themselves. How are your guys doing? What's your interaction been like with them? And, and what's the general mood of the team?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the mood's great. I mean, as you can imagine, two and a half months of being at home, not seeing your teammates, guys that you uh, literally spend almost every waking hour with, uh, whether it's back in the dorm, going to class, in the weight room, on the court, in the locker room. Uh, that was gone for, for two plus months. So I think the, the guys are, are really enjoying being around one another again, some for the very first time, you know, whether it's our grad transfers who are here on campus, uh, both Charles Midland and Car- Carly Jones, and then our new guys, our, t- our two new freshmen, um, DeAndre Davis and J.J. Trainor, they're here as well. Uh, so it's been really good. You know, they've had the opportunity to get in the weight room. They've had the opportunity to go on the court, not with um, – not with any of our instruction. This is really on their own, uh, getting shots up. Some of the, uh, the older players, the veteran guys, are, are sort of putting uh, the new guys through the paces, through maybe shooting drills and whatnot that, that we've done with our players in the past. So it's a little feeling out process for them. Um, but it, it beats the alternative. And I know a lot of schools right now uh, aren't even looking about you know, getting their players back on campus until maybe the start of fall. So um, I think it helps just the camaraderie. Uh, it certainly helps them getting in better shape. And uh, hopefully as time goes on, the access becomes greater for us, you know, with our players. But it's good. It's been good. Thank you for asking.
2: Hey, Coach, and you talked a lot about, you know, this has been really just unprecedented as far as um, what, what's been going on nationally. Everybody ha- is having to adjust. Um, to to the current times. So, kind of uh, detail a little bit more what 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 the challenges have been. Um, obviously, you rely you rely on certainty in your industry, right? And there's just you know things just go the way they go and they fall the way that that they that they're supposed to fall. So, when something like this happens, how have you been rolling with the punches? And what's just a typical day of work look like for you for you and your coaching staff right now?
1: Well, it's changed a little bit, um, you know, particularly for me here the last couple weeks with our guys returning to campus. Uh, But for for a large majority of the time, you know, we were all working from home. Uh, We were continually keeping in touch via Zoom uh, with, you know, what were our next steps in recruiting? You know, and typically when, when, you know, let's say that the rising senior class, the kids in the 2021 class, we would normally have the opportunity Uh, both throughout our season, and then particularly in April uh, with the AAU events, being able to see these kids live, you know. So I have to balance my time throughout the course of the year coaching our team, being at practice every day, you know, preparing our guys for the next opponent, Um, and also trying to find evenings or weekends where I can go out, maybe it's an off day for our team, and, and see a high school, you know, junior at the time play. But there's only so many of those opportunities. And so maybe, you know, I saw, I don't know, a handful, six to eight kids throughout the course of the year actually was out more, I think, this past season knowing that this would be a big class for us than maybe other seasons. But you still don't have the opportunity to see every kid that you plan on recruiting. You know, your assistants are doing that and uh, the trust factor that you have to have in your assistants, what they see in a player. so we usually use April. We usually certainly use June and July as measuring sticks for, for players to figure out uh, who are we targeting. So we had to do a lot of that on film. I know football does a lot on film, but basketball, it's a little different. You, you, need, you need a lot of skill. You know, you don't just need how fast is he, how strong is he, how, how fast is he run to 40, what's his vertical. Um, and you have to be able to sort of figure that out in, in the culture that they're in. You know, some kids, you know, for instance, like the WCAC is a great high school league in, in the D.C. area. And so you might watch a, a game film and know that there's about six or seven kids that are going to be Division I caliber players. But you may watch a, a kid from a rural, rural part of the country, and he may be the only Division One prospect in that game. So it's, it's a little bit tricky trying to figure out, um, are they talented enough? Um and there's so many things that, besides talent that you see when you go to an event live. You know, when a kid gets pulled out of the game, does he untuck his shirt and walk to the end of the bench and, and uh, doesn't look very coachable? Hard to see some of that stuff on film. But, um, you know, we've tried to make the best decisions that we can uh, in, in light of, you know, where we're at. Good thing is Louisville's not in the, only, the only school in that situation. There's 340-some-odd schools dealing with the same thing. Coach, one of the things we got really excited about in the offseason
3: was seeing some of the new matchups uh, coming about for Louisville. And Cincinnati is one of the biggest rivalries uh, the program has. Uh, dating back, you know, we haven't played them since 2014. Can you tell us a little bit about how that matchup was renewed and what it will be like for you being a part of another rivalry uh, with Cincinnati and this time around with the coach you might like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've heard from the very beginning of, of my time here at Louisville that um, – you know that's the game that fans wanted. You know I've been right. great friends with John Brannon, uh, UC's head coach now for a long long time uh, dating back to when we when we all played college basketball. So um, you know there's a history between he and I and fortunately we sort of share the same feeling when it comes to playing you know friends. Um, you know some some coaches don't want to play friends. You know I think we're able to separate you know how we feel about one another our families uh, for one for one night. I have so much respect for him that, uh, you know, if, if, if we were unfortunate, we didn't, you know, win the game, um, you know, I wouldn't be at a loss thinking, hey, this guy is is such a good person, does it the right way, uh, the type of people that I want to play. It's a natural rivalry. For us, it's, it's a bus trip, you know, whether we go the day of the game or the night before. Uh, felt like with everything going on with COVID, probably be easier for our team to manage. Um, and so – wasn't sure with, with, with Oklahoma State and the armed force class and all that stuff being uh, able to happen, uh, um, there's just too much, you know, surrounding the game that uh, there's a little bit of hesitancy. So we thought it was a natural game. We're going to try to pick up the Oklahoma State game uh, the following season when everything re- sort of returns to normal. Uh, and I think this is a great two-year series for both programs.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and just a, just a quick follow-up on that, Coach. Would would you ever consider playing I, – I mean, I don't know how this is for you. It's a little bit different, but would you ever consider a, a matchup with Xavier? Would you ever go back and, and welcome the opportunity for the two programs to play each other?
1: Well, I think in the in in short term, no, simply because I think there's, um, you know, there's some hard feelings, um, mm-hmm. you know, fans, and I understand that. And then also, I would never want to coach guys that I did coach. You know, mm-hmm. I against, I should yeah. say coach I don't want to put uh, them in that in that situation and and so uh, in time I'm, I'm sure that game would be something that uh, that we would look at you know everybody's opportunities now just keep shrinking you know whether it's games like Big Ten ACC Challenge you know whether it's uh, you know going to 20 conference games certainly our long-standing rivalry with Kentucky so your window of opportunities and the, the teams that you're able to play and the amount of Control that you really have on a schedule um, isn't what it used to be 10 years ago. But um, yeah, that's something that we'd be open to in time for sure, Jake.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's great because I think there's a lot of fans that would be on both sides considering, you know, who you are and what you've done for that program. But, but healing is a part of that for sure. Uh, the last thing I want to ask about in the offseason has, has been one of the biggest storylines and there's no way to avoid it uh, and talking about it. But uh, you guys find yourself in a, in a pretty difficult position being right in the center of, of NCAA and, and punishment and the dates and, and limbo of what's going to happen. How hard has it been for you dealing with that on the recruiting trail? How are parents and kids asking about it? When are you, what are you guys kind of telling them uh, with so much uncertainty.
1: Sure, I think, um, you know, th- this is something that, you know, when I took the job, you know, we knew it was impending. You know, we, we knew that at some point, uh, we were gonna receive a notice of allegations. And, um, you know, being that Louisville um, is is really the only school that took the proactive measures that they did um, from president, board, athletic director, entire coaching staff, um, you know, felt like those were some real, real strong mitigating factors. So, um, you know, in that sense, we feel uh, really good uh, about, you know, what we've done and who we are. Also, I also knew that that taking over the position, uh, we were going to have to really think more long-term and maybe short-term. While we've tried to put together um, the best teams we could the last couple years, you know, I didn't take the job, um, you know, with, with not knowing that knowing that, hey, we want to lay a really good foundation. We want to do things the right way. And uh, we're going to continue to try to get guys that can help us win an ACC championship. There's some non-negotiables when you come to Louisville, some things that are going to be in place no matter what the NCAA does. And that is you're going to play in front of one one of the best, uh, if not the best fan bases in the country, certainly one of the most passionate and one of the largest fan bases in the country. That's not changing you know, you're gonna play in what I think is the best basketball conference in the country. You know, the ACC, historically, whether it's venues, whether it's Hall of Fame coaches, amount of players that go on to the NBA, ACC's always held, in my opinion, um, you know, the the class of college basketball. It is the class of college basketball. So those are some of the non-negotiables that we talk about that that aren't gonna change, you know, through this, you know, period of time that we're going through. You know, fortunately, the NCAA has also um, created this independent uh, review committee. And so, you know, we're going to probably more than likely go through that process with them. And then, you know, we'll have uh, the opportunity to sort of state our case, um, which we're doing now. So we feel really good about uh, the direction of our program, regardless of what happens in the short term.
3: Coach, I want to focus on this year's team, Team 107, just for a few minutes. You lose a combination of six juniors and seniors, uh, leaving the roster with six sophomores, one junior, two graduates, and a freshman. Uh, This is by far the most youthful team you've had since taking over uh, as head coach at Louisville. How much of a factor is that when looking ahead at what this team can achieve in the ACC and in the postseason?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's certainly going to have a lot of new faces. You know, guys are going to have to uh, assume roles that they didn't have a year ago. You know, I think a guy like Malik Williams has to provide an awful lot of leadership. Um, He's seen, he's seen everything, you know, he's seen the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, He's been a guy that I think is, is provided great leadership over the last year or so. Um, But we're going to rely on that even more, more so this year. And I think that the fact that he's got younger guys and guys that you know are growing into different roles, I think will really help his leadership. Sometimes it's sort of uh, difficult maybe to, provide that leadership with guys that are in your class that came in together that, uh, you know, whether it's Jordan, whether it's Darius. So I think Malik's really looking forward to that challenge. Uh, you know, I think that we have some talent that is going to make a step forward. You know, guys like David Johnson and Samuel Williamson really need to, um, you know, go for, grow from being inconsistent, uh, spectacular at times players, to ones that we can really count on night in, night out. I know that they're really looking forward to that challenge. They're talented enough to do that. And I think their mental makeup has grown since they've entered college. Got a couple grad transfers that I think will provide a lot of stability, maturity, uh, and terrific playmaking ability. So we're really excited about the the upcoming season, you know, and and certainly going to miss the seniors, but college basketball is always about continuous change. You know, classes leave and classes enter. And uh, we're really looking forward to getting our hands on those guys and, and uh, you know, forming what I think can be a really talented and good team this coming year.
2: Absolutely. And I think the big storyline kind of going into the season, two is going to be the loss of Jordan Wara. You know, you have an, an All-American uh, that's gone. You have Stephen Enoch that, that's graduated. Um, so, you know, you're losing 18 points per game, but you're also losing the leadership and the overall playmaking ability of, of, of Wara um, so especially that four spot without, without war, without Dwayne Sutton, um, there could be, you know, a lot of question marks. We thought that maybe that, that could be replaced by Jay Scrub, but, but, you know, Jay, you know, Jay Scrub decided that he was going to opt to go to the league. So um, there's a lot of question marks, but do you think that Jalen Withers, you know, I know you talked a lot about that sit out year um, it, it is a big deal for, for guys to get, get that kind of experience under their belt. Um, you know, we have Quin, Quincy Slodzinski at the four spot. Um, how do you see that um, that void being replaced, and, and and what does that look like going into 2020?
1: Well, I think that um, you know, Jalen. You, you mentioned Jalen. He's uh, he's he's uber talented. You know, he really is. I think last year was uh, a great year for him to to not put the pressure on himself of playing, not playing. He would have been. Way too inexperienced. Um, He's still going to go have have some growing pains this coming year. But some of the things that he does, Presley, you can't teach. I mean, he is way above the rim uh, at times. Um, He can be a mismatch four or five. Um, You know, I I know that when we recruited Jalen, we never really had an intention of playing him at the five, but I think he's grown an inch and a half. Uh, He's certainly strong enough uh, to defend most fives in our league. And uh, I think he'd be a very, very tough cover, for a lot of teams, uh, especially when he faces the basket. A little bit like when you're watching Amir Sims from Clemson. You know, I don't think they recruited him strictly to be a five, but when he played that position, uh, boy, was he a tough matchup for a lot of different, you know, bigs. So, uh, you know, Jalen's going to have the opportunity to really help our team. We're going to need him to. I think he he can be effective at both ends of the floor. Uh, You know, how we play and who we play, a big part of that's going to be determined in the late summer and early preseason in terms of, you know, how guys handle uh, playing at this level. You know, we can play a lot of different ways. and you know, We can put four guards around one big guy. You know, that big guy can obviously be a guy like Malik who's facing the basket. And so uh, we want to continue to have a lot of flexibility with how we play, uh, especially on the offensive end. And so, uh, you know, I'm not really penciling in anybody. They're going to have to earn that. And I think that... Uh, you know We've got a lot of hungry guys. It's going to be uh, exciting to sort of watch that development unfold.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've got one scholarship that's still out there, and, and I know you've talked in the, in the past couple of months about that. You guys don't want to just give that to somebody to give it to somebody. If you're going to take somebody, it'll be because of fit and everything else that goes along with that. So tell me, in your mind right now, do you envision using that last scholarship, or is that something that you think you could go into the season – uh, and as players kind of become available early in the the early part of the season, like we see kind of, you know, in the past, do you think you guys could take a, a sit-out transfer, a transfer, uh, knowing that that rule could potentially be changed for the, for the eligibility of transfers in 2022?
1: Yeah, Jacob, that's a great question. You know, the, the last thing that we want to do, uh, as you said, is just put a, put a body in that scholarship, you know, and, and so unless they're really going to help our team, whether it's this year or in the future, uh, you know, I don't want to say we're going to hold on to it, but we aren't just going to give it out just to give it out, just to have a full complement of scholarships. Um, I'd be lying if I said, hey, th- this is, you know, the year that we're going to get. This, this is who we're going to get. Um, we're going to continue to stay open. And so you never know in college basketball. Kids enter the transfer portal all the time. And so if we feel like we could add somebody that could help our team this year, uh, then we're going to do that. If we feel like at some point, you know, whether that's right at the start of school, first semester, that all of a sudden there's a transfer out there that um, obviously would have to sit out if they were joining us uh, in the first semester or second semester, then, then we would do that. But, uh, you know, right now to have a crystal ball and say this is how it's going to play out, I don't know that. Um, you know, we've looked uh, over the last couple months, but we don't feel like anybody's Louisville quality enough um, to waste that scholarship at this point.
0: Yeah, I've got one more basketball question for you before we kind of end here. Thanks again for your time and joining us on the show. Um, yep. No, actually, it looks like we're going to get cut off here. So it looks like we're done. So thank you for your time. I appreciate that. Uh, well, is it, I, Alex, is it still going on the recording? We got five yeah. minutes.
2: Thank okay, we got five minutes. All right, so we'll, okay. we'll
0: just delete that part out. So let's go back to the point. I've got one more basketball question and then we'll jump into the life, the life advice that I think is going to be kind of fun here. But the thing that I've noticed is this team, the makeup of it, height, length, athleticism. It really matches a lot of what you did at Xavier. I think that there were several points at Xavier where you didn't have a player under six foot four, uh, even talking about in the backcourt. In your mind, does this team's makeup with those things kind of match more of what you did at Xavier?
1: Oh, uh, we're getting there. You know, we're, we're getting there. I think, you know, this isn't the, um, you know, the NBA where you get to sort of pick who you want. They have to pick you as well. Uh, but I, I really like the makeup of our team. You know, I like some of the pieces and, and the guys, their personalities uh, and their talent level. I think that um, you know we we are getting there, and so we want to be a, we want to have a team that's attacking, that's a little bit more confrontational than maybe you've seen the last couple of years, especially on the offensive end. Uh, we need to be a team that's getting in the lane, drawing fouls, uh, playing with a toughness and a swagger um, that I, that I think that. You know, teams that, that I coach uh, generally play with. Um, and that wasn't necessarily the personality the first couple of years, and that's okay. We're trying to take whoever we have at the time and, and make them the best version of themselves. So uh, we're getting there, to answer your question, Jacob.
0: Absolutely. All right, so let's move into the last part of this. We told you beforehand we want to have a little fun and get to know you personally. Uh, and the Uh-oh. way that we're going to do this is we're going to ask for some advice, right? So there's there's been some big life happenings on uh, our team Presley got married weirdly enough on a Tuesday. I don't know where that happens, uh, but that's what they did. Alex is getting married in October uh, and I've got a two year old daughter. So I am a girl dad. Uh, I take a lot of pride in that. So let's start there. What is the best advice you can give me? I've only got one. You've got two. So it's double trouble. What's the best advice you can give me as a a father of a daughter? And what's the worst advice you've ever been given uh, about having kids and having daughters?
1: Well, you're, you're past the stage now, Jacob. Well, one of the best pieces of advice that, uh, that I got that we followed was, don't let your kids sleep in the bed with you, um, you know, anytime they ask. <laughs> That'll never go away. I got friends of mine that have 9- and 10-year-olds, and they will not go to bed in their bed. They have to lay in mom and dad's bed, and it's like, mm-hmm. um, that can put you in prison for a while. And the more you put your arm around your daughters, the more time you spend with them, they're eventually going to grow up to find a guy like you. You know, that's, that's sort of proven and documented. So, um, you know, I, I want to be big parts, obviously, of, of my daughter's life, whether that's going to their basketball games, soccer games, volleyball games, you name it. Um, the more you can intertwine, you know, what your daughter's interests are uh, with showing how much you, you care about them growing up, I think uh, you'll be in good standing for sure.
0: All right. And so for the guys who are now married and getting married, what's your best and worst marital advice? Whew. Uh, I'm, probably, I'm
1: probably not great on marital advice. Um, you better keep her happy, man. You better keep her happy. Um, just say yes a lot. Yes, dear. And uh, make sure you take out the garbage. And if you if you can do things around the house without being asked, you're gonna be a hell of a lot further along in life and in married life than I am, I can tell you that. So I usually get reminded to do something two or three times, and by the third time, the reminding gets, gets me yelled at, so.
2: That's what I hear, by the third time, it's not a question anymore. Uh, yeah, it's
1: like I told you to do this, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? So if, if, you can do, if you can be proactive and take out the garbage before you're asked, or whatever it is, cut the grass, put the dishes away, Um, you know, that's, that's my advice, but I should
0: follow my own advice. (laughs) We can, we can all get a little bit better, right? My wife would tell you that I'm terrible at listening and, you know, it is what it is, right? I'm not going to deny it, but it is what it is. But, Coach, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to hop on the podcast with us and talk a little bit of basketball in life. We thank you. Uh, I, we can't thank you enough. So, thank you. Uh, and we're looking forward to what's going to be another great basketball season, uh, whatever that looks like or however it happens. Yep. And good luck to you and, and stay safe. Uh, and we can't wait to see you guys back out on the floor.
1: Sounds good. Hey, guys, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you again, Coach Mack. Yep, we'll see you. A big thank you to Coach Mack for jumping on the Big Red Louie podcast and spending some time with us talking about uh, basketball and, and the upcoming season and, of course, the life advice. I think that, that was pretty fun and unique. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, thank you so much for checking out the Big Red Louie podcast. We hope that you'll continue to listen. We put out new shows once or twice every single week. Uh, covering Louisville basketball, Louisville football, and all relevant things across the sporting world. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with us, you can read our work at BigRedLouis.com. And then you can follow all three of, of the hosts of the show on Twitter. You can follow myself, Jacob Lane, at Lane underscore BRL. You can find Alex at A. Stengel underscore BRL. And then Presley at Meyer underscore Presley. coming out of my mouth, but that's the, that's the Twitter handle. We thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.